It's time for the Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. It's Tuesday, June 28th, 2016. We have about 10 vessels on today's Columbia River ship schedule. In our marine weather forecast, we have northwest winds 10 to 15 knots today. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about the tremendous forces at play with ships and other objects on the river um, and what happens when they have an accident. A little bit more about some of the physics of that. Um, but first, a look at our Columbia River ship schedule. We have four inbounders. We have one in the Astoria Anchorage, and we have five outbounders heading downriver and out to sea. Our first arrival in the river is the Nicolene Bulker. She's arriving from South Korea, headed for uh, the port of Astoria, and she will probably be there loading logs. She'll arrive around 8 a.m. at the port of Astoria. The Texas Highway is a car carrier arriving from Japan. She's headed for the port of Portland, and she will pass Astoria around maybe, maybe 1.30 or so. And you might see her at the port of Portland by about 7.30 this evening. Her cargo is brand new Toyotas. The Maple Star is a bulk carrier arriving from Vancouver, B.C., headed for Vancouver, Washington. She is going there to pick up a cargo of bentonite clay for export, and uh, she'll pass Astoria around 3.30 p.m., maybe arriving in Vancouver around 9.30. And one of the interesting, many interesting uses for bentonite clay is that it can be used for kitty litter. The CSL Frontier is arriving from Mexico. She's going to um, Rainier to the U.S. gypsum plant there right opposite Longview on the river. She's coming from Mexico where gypsum is mined, and uh, it's a white powder. She'll deliver some of it there at the U.S. gypsum plant and then head up to Puget Sound with the rest. She will uh, probably pass Astoria around 6.30 p.m. and arrive in Rainier around 10 p.m. The Global Saikai is arriving from Japan. She's uh, headed for the Weyerhaeuser log docks in Longview, and she'll pass Astoria probably around 12.30 a.m. and arrive in Longview in the wee hours of Wednesday morning. In the Astoria Anchorage, just one ship today, the Coral Garnet, and she will be departing for Kalama around 4 p.m. to pick up uh, corn, soy, or wheat, or some combination thereof. She'll uh, head out around 4 and arrive in uh, Kalama around 9 p.m. In our outbounders, we have the Felicity Ace. She's a car carrier with brand new Subarus on board, leaving the port of Vancouver around 2 p.m. That would put her past Astoria around 8 p.m. The Aster K is a log carrier that comes into the river quite often. She's now leaving Longview, the Weyerhaeuser docks there. She'll be leaving around 2.30 p.m., and we might see her past Astoria outbound around 6 p.m. The Toro Orient is leaving the port of Vancouver around 2.30 p.m. She has wheat on board. She'll pass Astoria maybe around 8.30 p.m. The American Greca is leaving Longview with wheat on board around 11 p.m. That would put her past Astoria around maybe 2.30 a.m. on Wednesday. And uh, the Econ Burkas is leaving Kalama with corn, soy, maybe wheat on board around 11 p.m. That would put her past Astoria perhaps around 4 a.m. on Wednesday morning. A little more about our marine weather forecast. We have northwest winds 10 to 15 knots, wind waves from the northwest 3 feet at 4 seconds apart, and northwest swells 5 feet high at 8 seconds. So not a terribly turbulent day out there, but those forces are are always something to be reckoned with around our maritime region. And uh, on that note, I want to talk to you a little bit more about some of the forces at play on the river. I read some information about navigational buoys the other day, and it got me thinking. I thought back to the ship report I did last week in which I talked about a ship in the Astoria Anchorage that got itself tangled up with a navigational buoy 
in the anchorage area there and had to be untangled by a salvage crew. In that ship report, I referred to all the tremendous forces at work in this situation, many, many tons of water, of ship, and of buoy. So today I thought I'd talk a little more about exactly what some of these things weigh so you can get an idea of the mind-boggling weights and forces involved. First of all, let's take a look at navigational buoys. Now there are navigational buoys of all different sizes. Um, but this will give you an idea of what one can weigh. I read a Facebook post. It was a, one from the Coast Guard about our Coast Guard uh, buoy tender, Fur, right here, based at Tongue Point that goes out on the river. She has a big, she's a big ship, has a black hull, and she has the equipment on board and the knowledgeable crew on board to haul these big buoys out of the water and maintain them. And after that ship hit the buoy, the fur was out there the next day taking that buoy out of the water, probably checking it out and making sure that it, everything was safe on it and then putting it back where it belonged. So in this Facebook post, the Coast Guard said that a, a, one of their bigger navigational buoys weighs about 18,000 pounds or about nine tons. Now, the anchor to hold the buoy weighs about the same weight. And then there is a heavy chain that connects the two together. So tremendous amount of, of, of weight represented just by the buoy alone. So what about the ship itself? Well, ships are usually talked of about in terms of, of tonnage, meaning how much cargo they can carry. But if you, say, took a ship out of the water and put it on a big scale, say a big empty container ship, when I looked this up online, it seemed to say that a ship like that might weigh without cargo about 60,000 tons. So there's another huge weight that once it is in motion is very hard to stop. Now, what about all that water barreling down the river corridor every day, every moment, um, sometimes even more intensely when there's an ebb tide happening? Well, if you think back to things I've said on the ship report before, that a cubic meter of water, a cube about three feet in all its dimensions, weighs about a ton. And if uh, you look up the data that I did from the Bonneville Power Administration about the flow on the river, at a, a measuring station at the Dolls, about 5,400 cubic meters of water per second flows past a measuring station at the Dolls at any given moment on the Columbia River. Now, the river's annual discharge rate of water can be as much as 260,000 cubic feet per second passing out of the river. Now, those numbers are almost mind-boggling, but when you think back to that, that simple accident, relatively simple accident from our perspective, at least on land, of a ship drifting, uh, you know, dragging its anchor and drifting on top of a buoy, and the problems that can result from something like that and how incredibly big they can be for people who are trying to fix it, we can sort of see that this is kind of a complex thing. Now, I know that how all these forces act together on the river is probably a compl very complex physics problem that I can't explain here. But you can get an idea of the tremendous forces involved when an accident of any kind occurs with a ship or any other vessel on the Columbia, which is one of the many reasons why I have so much respect for the people who make their living working on the river and on the waterways around our area. You've been listening to The Ship Report, the show about all things maritime. I'm Joanne Rideout. Thank you for listening. Um, you can find a podcast of this program on my website at shipreport.net. Have a great day.